and welcome to the EPL Pitch Side. This podcast is powered by City FM and City Sports. This is your go-to hub for English Premier League analysis, transfer stories, statistics, and everything in between. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. On today's episode, Chelsea and Manchester City serve up an absolute cracker at Stamford Bridge. Perhaps the game of the season. Um, 2023 is over for Ghana's Thomas Partey and his AFCON is also in doubt as a result. Tottenham Hotspur have suffered back-to-back defeats this season, suspensions and injuries growing. So a lot to talk about on today's episode of the podcast and to do this with me, Nathan Kwa and Edwin Kwakofi are here. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good to be back. (laughs) Nice. Let's get into it and let's start off with the game that has me still seeing flashbacks. It was absolutely amazing and look before the game uh, some people thought I was kidding but I, I said that I didn't think Chelsea were going to get blown away by Manchester City purely because of what I had seen from them this season in the games that mattered um, that's exactly what happened Pochettino has been taking a lot of the tactical credit but let me start off with you Edwin um, who gets the the biggest credit from a game like that 4-4 four, four, Lots of goals considered. Manager obviously won't be happy with that aspect, but was this down to the manager doing his bit or you felt like the players had a big part to play in how this turned out? Look, I think you can't single out any one player or any one person for praise. To beat a team like Man City, who Pochettino rightly said were the best team in the world, you need a collective effort, a good team effort. And I think that's what we saw, right from the manager to the players who uh, executed the manager's plan on the pitch to the fans who gave everything, even when things weren't going Chelsea's way. I think more more than any other moment in this season, I think these two results against Spurs and Man City are a real turning point for Chelsea. Because these two were supposed to be the best teams in the land at the moment. Spurs were unbeaten until they met Chelsea. City were, as we said, one of the biggest teams in the world at the moment. And then Chelsea went toe-to-toe with them and survived. So I think going forward, these two matches, Chelsea fans will look at this. Chelsea players will look at this. Um, Pochettino will look at these two games and say that, look, we went toe-to-toe with the biggest clubs in the land. We can do it against every single team. All we need to do is play the same way against every team that we face. But you mentioned the performances from the players. 10 out of 10 from a lot of them. Reese James took on the most dangerous winger in the Premier League right now Mm -hmm. and was very dominant. Sterling took on one of the best right-backs in the Premier League right now and was very dominant against him. That midfield of Rodri, Bernardo Silva, uh, uh, sometimes Julian Alvarez who came in there, I think they were handled perfectly by Mm -hmm. Caicedo, Enzo and Gallagher. And I would like to start from there. I felt that the plan Pochettino came into the game in was perfect. Allow Jackson, who we know likes to run about. This was the perfect game for him because he wasn't going to get a lot of the ball to latch onto. What he could do was occupy the centre backs, occupy the defenders of Man City, mm-hmm. and he did that to very great uh, effect. 
it meant that the midfielders did not have as much contact with the back line as they usually do, mm-hmm. which meant that the passes would have to come from them. Mm-hmm. The passes would be rushed. There would not be too many options to get back to. And it allowed Caicedo, Enzo and Galaga to push forward onto their men, limiting the spaces that were available to them. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, CT were giving the ball away a lot in those first few minutes. And Chelsea were very, very intent on getting onto their men, intent of on pressing mm-hmm. and intent on capitalizing on a lot of these errors. And they might have if a few decisions were made better by some players. Uh, they went behind by a goal uh, through an unfortunate mess. Kukurea may be a little uh, guilty of that. But they never let their heads drop. And it was a feature of their game throughout the 90 minutes or 90 plus, however many minutes were added on. Uh, not many teams get to come back from a goal down against Man City. And to do that three times in one game, it says a lot about the mentality of this team yeah. in, set, in certain games. But as we said, they need to reproduce it in, uh, across the season, across uh, every single game they play. Whether they do that, we'll see after the international break. Let me just stick with you for one more point before I go to Nathan. Talk to me about Cole Palmer because he has been on the lips of everybody. He's earned um, a promotion to the senior England mm. team. Um, what is it about his game? I mean, for, for those who um, have not been watching with a keener eye, what is it about his game and what does he do that uh, has everybody gushing about him and thinking that he might probably be a pivotal piece in this Chelsea rebuild? Look, even when he was a Man City, Cole Palmer was a very extraordinary talent. The few games he played, you could sense that there was a player there, but with the others who were ahead of him in the pecking order, Riyad Mahrez, you couldn't see too much game time for him. When he came to Chelsea, fans were astounded that Chelsea would play so much for a player who couldn't nail down I, a starting spot. I, I couldn't sports. wrap my head around it. <laughs> exactly. I, I thought it was too much money. And when we were discussing his transfer, I noted that this is a player, a young player, who sees a potential leadership position for him in this Chelsea side. Mm. They are full mm. of young players. Yep. And he has played under Pep Guardiola, a very, very disciplined, uh, tactical manager. So he has some seniority, won a lot of things. So he comes into this team, maybe not at the age of Sterling, but definitely experience-wise, yeah. definitely uh, success-wise, he has that mentality with him. So he, he's definitely one who could uh, guide a lot of the other players. And he came in, uh, of course, the performances all through the Chelsea squad were not up to standard Mm -hmm. but you could see from the little that he did that this was a different player his control his passing ability the way he's able to break past players very composed on the ball but i think that has uh, has me raving about kopama a lot recently is his hard work and aguadiola you are going to work hard no matter where you play on the pitch you are Mm -hmm. going to have to uh, track back you are going to have to press and he doesn't check any of those uh, responsibilities, even uh, in Chelsea. Even when you feel that, okay, he's come to a side where maybe he's, there's not going to be that much pressure on him to do defensive work. He doesn't check those, those responsibilities. He comes back when he has to. He goes forward when he has to. He presses when he has to. And, of course, the teamwork aspect is there. He's very, very willing to bring his teammates into it. Mm-hmm. And the mentality to take 
four penalties. It's not easy. It, People think it's penalty. I mean, forget even yes. the mentality. Like you mentioned, young guy comes into a new team and there are more experienced players than him in the yeah, team. Yeah. For them to all accept that this guy should take penalties, especially a big penalty like that Manchester City game, it just speaks volumes as to how much the big guys in the team trust exactly. him. And for, for he himself, he just went out there and executed like it was another walk in the mm. park. But Nathan, let me come to you on Manchester City. And you can touch on Chelsea a bit as well. But for me, their key players were really missing in that game. Um, Julian Alvarez, for me especially, has been very key to how they play uh, lately. I think Enzo Fernandez did a really good job on his fellow Argentine. Um, should Pep be worried, first of all, conceding four goals is very uncharacteristic of them to give yeah. up four goals in a game. Were there aspects of this game that you think Guardiola would look at and say, wow, if we want to go ahead and break this record of four successive titles or three successive titles, do one better, we can't be doing this. Yeah, of course. I mean, if, if you look at the the encounter, um, it, was a, it was a case of one manager wanting to control affairs and another manager who wanted chaos. And I think for the first time in Pep's career, he played a four draw and I, he would look at it and say that he ceded control. And it's interesting how Pochettino dragged the game into a certain state where mm-hmm. Pep wanted to gain control, but he just couldn't. Too many things were happening at the same time and he just couldn't keep a lid you know, on things. So he would look at the performance and, and hope that he can do better. The option he tried to calm things down was Jack Grealish down the left. Now, mm-hmm. we know Grealish is not as explosive as Jeremy Doku. So the point is you give him the ball, he'll slow it down. Somebody offers the overlap or he goes centrally to try and create something. We all thought that really that was the intention to calm things down. It just didn't help. It just didn't help at all because I thought, one, Grealish could not really threaten on the offensive. But more importantly, Grealish's defensive positions were really off. Now, if you go back to the sequence that led to the penalty. Mm-hmm. Grealish is marking nothing and no one in a certain space. And behind him, Sterling had made a run and Sterling received the pass and it went on and on and mm-hmm. eventually Broa got fouled. So I think people look at it and say that some of the players didn't do well. He really can't fault Alvarez because I thought Endo Fernandez is a brilliant number on him, yep. trying to pick him up at all times. Because if you go to sleep and Alvarez finds that pocket of space, he will cause a lot of problems for you. And I thought they did a good number on keeping um, keeping him quiet. Um, overall, people look at it and 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 maybe smile at how the game went. He must have on the bench. He probably didn't enjoy it, but maybe when he watches again, he will enjoy it as as a new shot of the back and forth. But I also feel that some of his decisions did not help. I thought he took up Jeremy Doku a bit too early, even just after a yellow card. So on the day, I thought it was a wise decision. But looking James back, had Jeremy Doku in the body I still back. felt that <laughs> I, I still felt that Jeremy Doku still could have. He could have he given could have them kept, a moment because of you see, magic. The point is, Pochettino wanted chaos. Yeah, he wanted the game to go end to end like a basketball game. Now, if you have a player like Jeremy Doku, Chelsea's not all of Chelsea's attacks will result in a goal. Some of it will break down at mm-hmm. a point. And it is mm-hmm. at that point that Doku yeah. can cause a problem. Because quickly, City found out their best options were the wide areas. Chelsea had clogged the middle. And thumbs up to Pochettino for that plan. But they kind of allowed City to find space in the wide areas. And then they tried to create a lot of the goals from there. So I think that people look at this performance and learn a lot from it. Some of the players still need to figure out their decision-making. Um, 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 Ruben Diaz's decision to go after Broha in that time. I get your point. Yeah. The player looked like he was going to score, but it had it was raining. So watch your footing and take a better mm-hmm. decision. 
On the structural side, Pep will also have to look at that back line again because I felt playing, you know, when the ball was in movement, they had three men at the back. I thought the gaps between these three players at times was too wide and it allowed Chelsea the opportunity to cause all kinds of damage to to them, especially the Nicholas Jackson uh, goal, I believe. Somebody makes Mm -hmm. a run, it pulls a player out of of the, the, the equation and then there you have it. But it was a brilliant game. I've watched it once already. After that, it was absolutely <laughs> engrossed. You know, in the heat of the moment, when you watch it, yeah, yeah. But when you go back and watch the game, you realize that lots of very different things happen. True. And thumbs up to Pochettino. I thought his, his young lads showed a lot of character. And I remember before the game, I kept saying that we've seen Chelsea play different big games this season. Yep. In every game, they have learned one lesson or the other. And I think they will look at themselves and say, okay, this project looks like it will make sense. With the right manager, with the right level of patience, and mm-hmm. with players learning as they go along, in a season or two, they will start to cause headaches. Big, big headaches in the league. So, thumbs up to them. For Man City, there are things to be concerned about. There are things to look at. But again, I also thought they reminded all of us of some of their top quality. Some of the players they had were brilliant. Erling Haaland was smart enough to find Kukurea and then play the entire game trying yeah. to worry him and lure him into challenges. I thought it was great. But both teams will walk away with lessons learned. But yeah. for Chelsea, I think the moral victory was, was theirs on Sunday. Well, just a few uh, takeouts for me uh, in that game. I think that Rodri, undisputably the best DM <laughs> in the world. And the bit I like about him the most is his ability to strike the ball with both feet. This yeah, guy shoots really with his good. left like he's a number 10. And, and he does it so effortlessly. He can really switch good. feet from left, go to his right. He can dribble out of tight spaces. And I'm just looking at this guy like, wow. Is that really a defensive midfielder? He's, he's really good. That's such a luxury to have. A DM who can actually like play with both feet, can dribble, can score. Yeah. Like, who does and, that? And it's, it's what, what, what the basketball fans, Ben, like you would call a bit of a unicorn. And yeah. I use that to talk about how different he is. We've seen a lot of number yeah. sixes. He seems to know how to, one, play under pressure, yep. can pass the ball very well, knows how to foul, and he can escape for long periods of games smart without player. getting booked. Smart and player. then he provides and, this offensive and, and then there's Raheem Sterling. Look, like I always say, players should be able to bottle up this performance, put it in a bottle, and be able to call on it yeah, whenever they need, need it. He needs, whenever he's ever in doubt of himself, he needs to be able to watch this game again yeah. and remind himself who he is. I didn't even see the Manchester City Raheem Sterling. This reminded me of the Liverpool Raheem Sterling <laughs> back when he was with Luis Suarez and Daniel Sturridge. Just explosive yeah. enjoying himself yeah. and I have not seen yeah, he, anybody I, he, cook he played Kyle really Walker well. like He played before. really well. Look, yeah, really it seemed really well. he had a lot to prove and I, I think I, his two best... He had revenge per- in his heart. Exactly. His <laughs> two best performances have come when he's been left out of the England national team. Yep. First one against Burnley right good, after. Good note. And then this one yep. against Manchester City. Of course, the added yeah. uh, motivation of I facing Manchester so City was in there but you could tell what it meant to him hmm. to play that way. Kawaka must have been dizzy at the end of, <laughs> of that game because, wow, that's how it, it broke down. So hopefully Chelsea can kick on from there. Let's get to uh, Tottenham Hotspur. And they suffered a really, really, I, I think, crushing collapse in that game against Wolverhampton Wanderers. They left from just about the third minute or so, held the tap until the 90th minute, and then within three minutes, they threw it all away. I'm not sure exactly what will be going through their heads, but that, will be crashing. So, go unbeaten all this season and then suffer back-to-back defeats, lose defenders through suspension, lose players through injuries. Yeah. Their troubles are mounting. Yeah, they, they are. And, you know, 
every team, I say every team will experience some of these things. Spurs will have to manage it. But I thought the performance on, on Saturday, if you look at it again in hindsight, you are not too surprised you know, at what happened because Spurs scored after three minutes and they spent the rest of the game trying to hold on to that lead. And you could tell the difference in quality. They really didn't have anything on the offensive side. They lost side. three of their, you know, the members of their back line. the back line, line they yep. changed it. Van de Ven is out. He gives them a lot of mobility. Yeah. They had to play in the, in the middle for the first time with Sa and yeah. it, it, it really looked off. Ben Davis at the back here and Eric Dad didn't look too good and then they couldn't try and connect every part of the team and you knew that Wolves would always find a way they would always push and push and push and push and they finally got that breakthrough you know at the very end I will give thumbs up to Wolverhampton for not folding for not giving up and for going all the way mm-hmm. to the very end uh, Pablo Sarabia brilliant finish and then he oh, set up fantastic finish yeah I, you I, have I, to was, remind me man. Right, you know, right, I think right foot right to, foot control, to control left foot, left foot to oh goodness <laughs> just reminding everybody wow. that he came from Real Madrid yeah, <laughs> he, he's, he's he just had to remind player. everybody it just didn't work out for him at PSG and Wolves yeah. are a very odd team Look, you can dissect their team and you ask yourself, what's this guy doing in this team? They have a lot of very quality players who seem to have lost their way and somehow they've yeah. been brought together yeah. at Wolves. And under Gary O'Neill, they seem to be finding all kinds of interesting results. From, I think, match day one, when they went to Old Trafford, they were unfortunate not to have won that game. Mm-hmm. But over time, they've corrected some of the things, like putting the ball away. And if I, they would, I think that's been their biggest uh, issue. If they'll do well this season, Gary O'Neill needs to... Just share the scoring responsibility amongst the players. Sarabia has to contribute. Lemina has to do same. Pedro Neto has to do same. Juan has been Cunha doing his has bit to do, for most parts. You know, Juan Hichan. I think that's what they need because they've not had a player like Jimenez in a while who single-handedly score 15 goals for you. And I don't think they can find anybody to score 15 goals. So they'll have to just share the load, win the games and just stay up. Edwin, you, you said that these days were coming for Tottenham. The, the <laughs> non-Madison days, the injury days. They've arrived and they've not passed the test well at all. They haven't. And it, it was clear to see the influence that Madison especially has on this team. Without him, even after a, an early flurry where they got an early goal, without him, creatively, they were very uh, weak, I, I should say. Yeah. And, of course, it affected other parts of their play. Having uh, Brennan Johnson and Son up front, Son was clearly the one who was tasked to become that creative spark in the Spurs team, having to drop back a lot, even deeper than he usually does, mm-hmm. uh, more often than he usually does, leaving the work up front to be done by Brennan Johnson. And while I admire him as a player, I feel that he still has a lot to learn. And obviously, Son is the better player, much better player. So you'd rather have him in the penalty box or around the penalty box where he's been causing a lot of trouble uh, in the Premier League this season. Without Madison, a lot of that had to be rejected and it didn't work out too well. And you credit Wolves because they never gave up mm-hmm. even after going down against Spurs. They always felt that there was yeah. a chance they would come into it. 98 minutes, by 90 minutes, teams are already giving up. Yep. They, are, yep. they are saying that, okay, there's no way we are coming back. We tried for uh, 90 minutes, the best part of 90 minutes. How are we going to uh, make anything change? 
they got their equalizer and you'd expect them to be comfortable with a draw against Spurs. Any team would be comfortable with a draw against Spurs. But they went for the winner because they realized that Spurs' levels had dropped yeah. below below where they usually are. They got... The, they could sense that Spurs they, were, were yeah, hanging on yeah. for dear life, waiting for the game to end. They could sense it. And unfortunately for Spurs, I feel that a lot of the blame has to go to their manager. Look, I admire him for the way he attacks. I admire him for the way he sets up his teams. I admire him for how he's willing to stick to Mm -hmm. his strategy, not uh, sway from how he's uh, programmed his team to play. But there are times where, as a Premier League manager, uh, if you want to be a successful Premier League manager, you need to be pragmatic. And in the last two games against Chelsea and Wolves, I feel he's not done enough of that. He's not shown that smartness, that 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 sense mm-hmm. of of uh, uh, you know a Premier League manager who is willing to stay with the crowd. Hmm. And in the game against Chelsea, obviously, he, he will learn. after going, <laughs> if he doesn't learn, he will get fired. After going down to that. after going down to nine men, he decided to play a, a formation of zero seven one. <laughs> No defender at all. Everyone on the halfway line playing as midfielders and then yeah. uh, Son up front on his own. Obviously, it didn't work. It might have worked for a few minutes, but there was no way they were going to sustain it for the entire second half. Yeah. In this game against Wolves, there were opportunities where he could pack the at 90 minutes or 89 minutes. Yeah. You, he could have packed his half. He decided to keep Son, Bentancur, a, a couple other players high up the pitch. And then try and pass out of the back. Unfortunately, Wolves realized that they pressed really hard. Yeah. And then uh, the ball went out of play for a throw. From that throw, Sarabia got his goal. Mm-hmm. Even after that goal, you'd, you'd expect the manager to say that, okay, we've held on for so long, it didn't work out, let's just play out for a draw. No, he decided to push more players forward. <laughs> Wolves took advantage of the spaces. And of course, with uh, so many players forward, you obviously get the space to operate in. And Lemina scored the winner. I feel if Postacoglu wants this Spurs team to challenge, and I don't think they will anyway, if he wants them to be in that top four battle, he needs to change his strategy to match the moment in the game in which they are. And so far, he hasn't. He's been lucky a couple of times where Tottenham's all attack style eventually won them the game. Yep. But Sheffield. yes. But in in certain games you are not going to uh, be allowed to score goals. You are not going to be allowed mm-hmm. to just coast mm-hmm. through the game. And I think if he doesn't learn a lesson from these three games against Chelsea and Wolves, Spurs will be in trouble. They might drop further down, lose further games and mm-hmm. we might be talking about Spurs possibly not make not even making Europe. Wow. Tottenham Hotspur, well, they need to get their act together. Um, injuries and suspensions, a couple of those uh, will be coming back after the uh, international break. I'm sure they are glad that the international break <laughs> is here. Um, a couple of things um, worth noting from the game week. Mohamed Salah got Premier League goal number 200. Yes, for, 200 for, goals in, in uh, British football. Yeah, for, for Liverpool Football Club. Um, I think that's a big feat for him. Yeah, a a um, colleague of ours likes to call Salah the best Premier League winger ever. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think he's the best winger ever, but he's definitely up there. Susu Graham. Susu Graham. Mohamed Salah's consistency is unreal. I, I, I feel like again, um, he's he's done it so often that 
it's become expected of him. Like, you expect Salah to get 20 goals a season. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. then it's a problem. In fact, if you watch a Liverpool game and Mohamed Salah does not score, it looks problematic. Yeah. Like, you just get used to seeing him on the score sheet every time. He was scoring with his head and whatnot in that game. <laughs> Liverpool won. Um, they've kept, they are keeping their title hopes alive as things stand now. Let's take it to Arsenal, where we want to discuss Ghana's Thomas Partey uh, in the mix. So, Arsenal won 3-1 in their last game against Burnley. Um, Vieira picking up a red card in that game there. Mm. Uh, very uncharacteristic of a player of his nature. But the big pr- um, problem here is that Thomas Partey is out for the rest of 2023. Mikel Arteta says that his injury is worrying for the club. Now, it's a thigh injury. He's had a little procedure on it. And as a result, his AFCON is probably in doubt as well. Nathan? Mm. Um, from a Black Stars perspective, that's very worrying news. Because you want to have him there. He's a player of immense quality. He's a player of immense ability. You want to have him at the AFCON, especially as the Black Stars are hoping to do better than they did the last time they played in the AFCON. Um, but it is worrying. He's not going to... Be, I wonder... I mean, I will not say definitely that he's going to miss the AFCON. But even if he returns, will he be in good shape enough to go to the AFCON? The AFCON is a very physical tournament. African football I like, is, I like that, fact mm. that, that, that fact you're raising because for a lot of Ghanaians... His Black Stars legacy is very sketchy. And I think, personally, that this will be the last Afghan he will have to save his Black Stars mm. legacy. Yeah, Maybe, perhaps, if Ghana qualified to the World Cup, the World Cup. And after that, mm. it's probably a wrap. Yeah, so so it, it's, it's important that we all know the clarity of the extent of the injury. And like I said, even if he comes back, how much work would he have gotten in to go and play the AFCON, which is a very demanding competition. It's very, very physical. Yep. Very, very, very physical. Yep. So, I don't know. It's, it's really tough trying to understand what has all of a sudden happened to a player who never suffered a lot of injuries in his time in Spain. I don't know what the issue Maybe is. Maybe he's grown old. Maybe he's grown old. I agree. Father time is catching up. You know, I, it's, it's really, 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 really worrying. But for Arsenal... I think that some of these things give credence to a lot of the rumors we hear and, and read about and sometimes ask our colleague journalist about Pate's future at Arsenal. Every now and again, there are some stories linking him mm-hmm. with an exit. I feel that the more these injury problems arise, the, the more Arsenal will look at him and start to wonder whether it is time to cash in and then move on to, to something else in terms mm-hmm. of that midfield. So it's a huge blow to him, the player, and to Arteta. Arteta speaks glowingly of... Thomas Partey, and we yeah. hope that he'll recover in time and play a key role in Arsenal's season. The season is still very young. Yeah. Arsenal still have a lot to fight for. I just hope he'll be part of the team as Arsenal goes for it to challenge for all the things they want to challenge for. Well, Edwin, Arsenal have spoken about bringing in Douglas Luiz. It looks like that particular bit of news is picking up some momentum. Mm. Um, should Partey be worried about this or you feel like he's come to a point where moving on from Arsenal should be something that's actually on his mind. Look, I think that, yes, as a player, you do like to play for the biggest teams in the world, and Arsenal is certainly one of them. But Partey is not... There are a lot of suitors around for him. We've been talking about Juventus in the league, which some say might suit Partey's uh, age, game, at this point point, a little better. And if you are Arsenal, you're looking at this player who you ad- you admit that he's a very talented player when whenever he plays for you whenever he comes on he impacts the game in a positive way for you but in moments where you really need him he's not available in moments where uh, you are 
out a little uh, of uh, like you need a few players uh, mm-hmm. to step up to be the leaders in the team he's injured mm-hmm. you're going to look at this situation and say you know we can't have a player on our books that we can't rely on yeah. you can't have a player that is out for a quarter a third of every single season that we play in and i am sure they'll be looking to move him on if the right price comes for him for the player himself mm-hmm. i think he'll be disappointed by how his arsenal career has gone i know he's done a lot of good at arsenal but this is a player mm-hmm. they brought in with his qualities who they hoped would guide them to a major title mm-hmm. And it's not happened yet. You might talk about the FA Cup, maybe, but they wanted the Premier League. They got so close last year. And one of the reasons they didn't win, in my opinion, was the fact that he dropped in quality. He himself dropped in performances. Uh, He started off with a few injuries as well, which kept him on for a few games. Maybe if he had been there, they would have won those games. They would have performed better. Mm -hmm. Those points add up to the ones they had at the end of the season. And they probably end up winning the title. But the Douglas Luiz rumors don't surprise me. This is a player Arsenal <laughs> have been chasing for a very long time. He almost moved, what what was it, last January or last summer. Mm-hmm. But the move broke down at the last minute. I'm sure they will eventually get their man. And he is one that, of course, he's not as good as Partey in midfield. Mm-hmm. There are a few players who are. But he adds something extra. His ability from set pieces, uh, corners, free kicks, his composure from uh, penalties as well. Mm-hmm. And he is a very good striker of the ball, which party is known for. So at least he fixes that. In midfield play, he is composed. He is. Yeah. Uh, if, if, yes, if party is an 8, he's maybe a 6 or 6.5 or a 7. Mm-hmm. Arsenal will take that as long as he is available for every single game. And. Douglas Luiz is one player you can definitely count on to be available for majority of your season. He is a player that's going to be there. Even if he doesn't start, yeah. you know you can bring him on if you need to. So definitely Arsenal will be thinking about moving Partey on. The situation is not good for him. It's not good for Ateta. He looks at Partey and thinks, no, I need to bring him a, a, a placement. And mm. they need to do that quickly. And I think... January, somebody has to come in in January or has not risk falling off that title race. Well, I'm not sure how enthused Unai Emery will be about letting <laughs> Douglas Luiz leave no, in he, January. He won't be, he won't be we'll see how it plays out. I'm not sure if Douglas Luiz will stage a little, you know, um, how do I call it? The, the hide in the washroom, uh, all those antics. <laughs> Things players try to do, uh, and to, or the wingy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the things they try to do to force a move out. You know, I, I, let's just see how it plays out because at this point, like you guys have rightly said, Arsenal have presented some really soft midfields, and they've not really helped them out in those games that they've played in. Uh, the Premier League itself is taking a little break for uh, the international period to take over. Um, so that's what it is. We are heading into the international break at this point. And when in we time. come back, it's Manchester City back, versus Liverpool. Yeah, tasty ah, stuff one. going on there. So we'll be. We'll be looking forward to that one. Uh, thank you very much, Nathan. Thank you very much, Edwin Kwakofi. Pleasure. And that's our podcast for this particular episode. Now, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. My name is Benjamin Inkete, and thanks for doing the listening.